Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. And welcome to the best damn camp, a Royal Verse read along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Rowden in timeline order. I'm a host, Fran, author of Home to the Wild, an adventure young adult series. First book out now. Second book coming next year and the finale the year after that. So if you'd like young adult adventures, wolves and lesbians, be sure to order Home to the Wild linked in the episode show notes down below. And welcome to the show. <laughs> Oh, you hate me, don't you? Anyway, today we are continuing our timeline journey with the next part of Mark of Athena, which is entitled Fleeing and Meeting Narcissus, which is from pages 48 to 97. As always, I have my points to focus on, so today we've got characters and generally what I thought of it. So let's dive in. So this section is only from Leo's point of view, it's only his chapters. And so here is the overview for Leo's chapters. Leo has a weird hazy memory of what he did. Beyond feeling cold, he doesn't really know what came over him. Flying away in a now damaged ship, Leo is not in a good place. Though at least he still has time for sarcasm. Realising they need to land for repairs, he finds an island with nearly all that he needs to fix Festus before they fly again. Because, you know, that's not suspicious. <laughs> oh dear. When will these kids learn? Splitting into groups, they go in search of what they need, with Leo and Hazel going together. The name Sammy appears often, but Leo has no idea who that is or what that means, which confuses Hazel even further. On a beach of lime, and no, not the, is it, wait, is it a fruit? Are limes fruit? Yeah, no, they cut, because they grow on things, so that's, that's the rule for it, isn't it? Oh no, because then tomatoes. I don't, this is not a conversation that's necessary. But someone tell me, are limes considered a fruit? <laughs> I assume so, because like, lemons are a fruit. Going down a road that is showing that I am not educated. Anyway, on a beach of lime, things seem to be going well until they meet revenge, or as she is correctly known. Oh shit, I didn't write it down. <laughs> uh, nemesis. Is it Nemesis? Shit, I should have written this down. Oh my god. Sorry, guys, I'm recording at like midnight because. And it's the day before, so you're all catching up with me right on the day of, <laughs> technically. <sighs> anyway, sorry. On a beach of lime, things seem to go well until they meet Revenge, who offers a bargain for her help. But they aren't interested. Yet. Over the hill, they find the bronze they need, but it's currently being used as a mirror by Narcissus. With the help of Echo, they break his concentration and steal the metal away. 
Leo, thankful for Echo, promises to remember her. But as he moves further away, her curse affects him. Eventually, he cannot remember what even her eyes looked like. It's a sad end, really, isn't it? A sad end for the chapters. It's disappointing. Echo's Echo's cool. I'm going to get into her a little bit more because only I, I have a lot to say about it. Actually, no, we're going to start right now. Rick. <clears throat> Calypso should not have come back. Echo should have. Echo and Leo, not necessarily as a couple, but Echo and Leo needed to be connected more. She comes back, her curse has been broken because Leo brought attention to it. And maybe when he sees his dad later on, he asks his dad, being like, hey, can you know sort this out? Because this is not fair. And you know, I know obviously she's come back from the dead, so but like keep her alive. She deserves to be alive, but also get rid of this curse. The curse is unfair as a whole. But just in general. Echo brings about a really important message of, you know, trying to find self-confidence. Like, this is the whole thing. So Echo is kind of like Leo. But better. In, <laughs> in the sense that... Well, firstly, she's not obnoxious. But mainly in the fact that, like, she is the side of Leo that he won't let other people see. She is the, you know, the, the part of him that, you know, isn't confident is obsessed and needing love in some way romantic love specifically and needs a, like she won't leave Narcissus' side because she loves him even though he will never love her in return and that's something that is a real problem with Leo as a character is that he's consistently looking for romantic love when that is not what he needs what he needs is therapy but also what he needs is to learn to actually love himself if they'd brought Echo back instead of this Calypso bullshit that they do and have him and Echo, as they do in this section, working together and building each other's self-confidence and having them become friends and having this, this you know, basically being support buddies for each other, I would have loved Leo. He's still a dick, but he would have gotten better. And it would have been with Echo that he would have gotten better with. But all the lessons that Leo learns from Echo is gone, basically. Like, he, the moment he... It, like, she's never remembered after this. She's also never brought up again. Well, she's brought up again in this book. But, like, beyond this book, Echo is never mentioned again. It's just really sad. And I know that's obviously kind of, like, her whole story. But there could have been something for Leo here. And Rick wasted it. Like, literally, just, he should, and I'm going to have to do this for the video series, don't bring back Calypso, release Echo of her curse, save her, and her and Leo can be friends and work together to build their confidence. That would have been chef's kiss perfect for Leo. Don't put him in a relationship that firstly is not a good relationship in general, but just have him learn to care about himself, as he does in this. He gets some confidence, it's, you know, the funny kind of confidence, but... It's there. Work on that, especially considering a lot of this chat, uh, a lot of this segment, is him kind of dogging on himself a little bit for things that he did to himself. But I'm getting ahead of myself, and I'll talk about that in the character section. The other thing I want to mention that is brought up in this <laughs> is we have the uh, illustrious—that's probably not the right word. 
dumb blonde comment that all the morons held on to like a vice grip to say that Leo can't be Annabeth because it ruins Annabeth's story of overcoming being a blonde. Oh my god. Firstly, it's Leo who says it, it's Leo who thinks it. Um, get, you know, you're a bunch of dickheads, Leah is our Annabeth. The blonde element seriously was not remotely important to Annabeth's character. One element of the dumb blonde mentioning is said in the mind, in the narrative, by a different character. Just shut up. Just shut up and grow up. <laughs> and learn to read, apparently. Because it's mentioned once by Annabeth and is not even like a big deal that's mentioned. The only other time it's mentioned is by Leo, a character who is well known for being a douche. <laughs> I mean, come on now. It, like, he's literally, the whole reason he's bringing up the dumb blonde thing is like, oh, I, c I can't believe I ever thought it was real because now I've met Annabeth. My like, firstly, oh, people are stupid. Dumb blonde things was always stupid. But also, this book is, what, like 2011, 2012? Dumb blonde thing is gone. It's been gone for a while. Like, a while, while. I just... <sighs> Leo is at Annabeth, grow up. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> other, other things that also just... Rick's consistency and... Not developing of relationships is just so apparent in Leo sections because Leo is concerned about Jason because obviously Jason got knocked out in the previous section um he is still out cold which like seriously this boy needs this is why I always say Percy and Annabeth should not have been on the quest it should have been Will because Will is a healer <laughs> like Jason is still unconscious after being hit out this boy needs to go home that is a concussion like a borderline deadly one if he's still out of it anyway but Leo says that he's worried and you know he's known Jason longer than anyone at Camp Half-Blood he doesn't know what he'd do if the guy was like out for the count um no that's legitimately false on so many levels because technically Annabeth has known Jason the same length of time as Leo because the Jason that Leo knows is fake. Because he has fake memories of a friend that did not exist before the events of Lost Hero. He literally has not known Jason longer than anyone at Camp Half-Blood. Because everyone has known Jason the same length of time. Because that was the first time anyone had actually met Jason that wasn't false memories. I'm... <sighs> um, we're also back to Leo not knowing that I really hate Leo's point of view. I just... I know it's a teenage boy. I know I need to get over it. But that's not an excuse. Like, Percy wasn't always the best with the respect women juice, but, like, Leo is a hundred times worse. And yet he's so many people's favourite character just because he's sarcastic and sassy. I'm like, half the time, his sarcasm and sassiness is him being mean to people. Like, um, 
I just, mm. anyway, yeah, so he's back to not thinking about women beyond their physical appearance. He talks about Annabeth's physical appearance, Hazel's physical appearance. Uh, just, you don't need, stop. Rick, stop. Change this. Fix it. Rewrite Heroes of Olympus, please. Um, then there's just plot logic that makes no sense. We've got that, you know, we must all travel in threes because, you know, Annabeth felt this cold feeling. It's really weird. It's like, it could be a trick from Gaia. It could be a trick from Octavia and they don't actually know what's happening, but it is concerning. So as with most quests, you travel in threes for safety. They then immediately after bringing up this significance, have two teams occur one team of three and the other is a team of two rick keep your shit consistent you literally mentioned how you need a team of three demigods for safety as per the quests you know the literal thing that you went on and on about in persecution of the olympians literally killed two characters for in titan's curse because everyone always ends up with three it's always three whenever there's more there's a problem i know obviously the case for like tyson and grover is different but they're technically not human so it's fine um but i don't like, don't don't bring up the significance of three if we're then going to immediately disregard it like <laughs> you've just talked about how having three people is really significant and important and you know is good for protection and then you have Hazel and Leo going on a quest, just the two of them. <laughs> mm. um, again, for Rick's consistency, Percy has this talk with Leo, talking about how you know Hazel was brought back to life a few months ago. It wasn't a few months ago, it was nearly a year, because it happened last year, because it happened before Jason went missing. <laughs> Reed just really does not know any of his stuff. Like, write things down, dude. Write things down. Like, I know I'm not always the best with remembering things, but I make notes of just like, hey, check this, Fran. Check to make sure you've written this down correctly. Do I always do it? No, but at least I've made the note and I'm attempting. <laughs> Reed just doesn't seem to remember anything. Because, like, what? Jason appears around December time. Which means Hazel would have had to have appeared at least by November. And Percy goes missing for three months after him and Annabeth have gone together, which is from August. So August, September, October, November. So yeah, so she would have had to have been a pit around in November, because that's around the same time that Jason goes missing. So yeah, so she had to be there. And it's June now, because it was the Meal of Fortuna, which is in June for Juno and it's near the end of June so June oh god I'm going to have to go backwards no but I'll do it the other way December, January, February, March, April, May, June that's seven months she has been back in this world that's not a few months ago <laughs> that is more than half a year <laughs> well it's only a month over okay so it's at least a half a year ago that's not a few months Mm, and then the echo significance thing i just i really like echo as a character like when we got the whole so many people remember the leo the hot mcshizzle or whatever 
oh god all that scene it was so cringe <laughs> I'm just why <laughs> but just like I do like that the echo thing is the thing that saved this section for me because it was so nice and I just want more of echo can we have like an echo side story like just give her her own story I want her to have her own story she deserves it but sorry literally it's midnight guys I made a really bad decision doing this but this is a if you listen to my other podcast entry story broke with my friends from other podcasts which is a once upon a time podcast I'm usually up quite late so um I should not be as tired as I am because I've done worse which is not a good thing and there's a conversation for therapy anyway let's go into characters because the only character i have to talk about is leo because of course this is leo's chapters i basically only have things to say about him uh, if you like leo you probably don't actually want to listen to this chapter or even in, maybe just don't listen to anything to do with heroes of olympus from me because i have a lot to say and a lot to feel about leo so um <laughs> in reference so you may all remember the fact that i did not like that frank whined all the time i know i'm kind of hypocritical because i'm technically whining now or is it moaning this is more moaning actually what i'm doing (laughs) but uh leo is worse so there is this whole section with nemesis where nemesis is like representing the people that are like the worst person in that person's life they want revenge against and she brings up to leo about how you know he'll never fit in with them he'll always be the seventh wheel and he's like yeah no they're right you know i don't really like out of the seven i'm not really friends with any of them and then he lays out all of these things about how you know he was in bunker seven that whole time working on the dragon and his friends were training and i'm like dude you've literally just said it in your words there he hauled himself up in... Is it Bunker 9 or is it Bunker 7? Oh, God. I think I've been saying Bunker 7 this whole time. <laughs> Camp Half-Blood. Bunker. Oh, God, it's Bunker 9 and I've been saying Bunker 7. Oh, God, that's so embarrassing. That's so embarrassing. Um, He's been hauling himself up in Bunker... Maybe because it's the seventh wheel thing. I thought seven, I don't know. Because that would have been ironic, actually. But obviously, he was in cabin nine because of Hephaestus. I'm embarrassed. He hauled himself up in bunker nine, all alone, and neglected his friends to work. And, like, admittedly, it needed to be done. But also, from the sounds of it, he seemingly didn't let his siblings get involved. Like, he has a whole cabin of Hephaestus kids, who were all his half-siblings, technically. Why aren't they there helping? And they even like they even reference the idea in the Lost Hero at the end of Cabin Nine working on you know Festus in this big boat. But from the sound of it, none of that happened. Like he completely isolated himself, worked alone, and like I know like I'm one of those people. When I'm working, I do go into my own world, but. I do work when other people are around, like literally quite recently, I don't know if my friend's going to be listening, but Alex, hi, love you. Um, so she had her dissertation um, for university coming up and I had to revise my book because I've been putting it off too long. And so we would go on to Facebook Messenger because obviously we don't live in the same place. 
we'd go on Facebook Messenger, we would go onto video call and we would just sit for hours working on our own things, chatting every so often when we need a bit of a break or we need some feedback <laughs> or in my case just <laughs> boosting my own ego and I was like oh my god that's that was actually a really good line I quite like that um and just wanted to, to, to it was basically just stroke my own ego but then I was occasionally helping Alex as well with their work because you know I know some things <laughs> so I helped them out with their work by, by just offering thoughts of like oh change this or this may need some rewording or I really like this etc 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 we weren't always in, you know, helping each other out, but we were in each other's proximity as we worked. Leo could have done this. Instead, he just seemingly completely isolated himself. Didn't train with anyone as well, which is probably why he's still, as he quoted and said, scrawny, because he's not trained to fight at all, <laughs> which seems somewhat significant because he could have let his siblings work on things whilst he went to go train and hang out with his friends. Because then... He then moans about the fact that Piper and Jason spend more time together. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you don't spend time with them, which means they've spent more time together, which means they've rebuilt feelings, which means they've gotten together. And now, because they've had so much time together, it's now weird when he then does try to insert himself because he is, in a sense, trying to insert himself because he's not developed the friendship with them. Which then makes that line earlier of just like he's known Jason the longest, even stupider, because he hauled himself up in Bunker 9 since Christmas, basically, and has done nothing since. Beyond that side short story of them dealing with Buford the table. Like, beyond that, they don't seem to really interact that much because Leo hauls himself up in Bunker 9 to work alone and now he feels left out like I know this like this is 100% like it is a trauma tactic he is known uh, like he has a history of like he was abandoned a lot as a kid and it will be a trauma response but you can't be upset and moan about people making you f like, about feeling left out when you are also not engaging because as we see in the Buford story Jason and Piper are coming to his aid. Like they are coming to see him. And you even see it at the start of uh, at the end of Son of Neptune. The video call is from Leo and Piper is, you know, there and speaking. So she is engaging with him, but he seems to just not really be engaging back and then just being you know, sad that he feels left out when really he kind of just did it to himself. I know I'm particularly harsh on Leo, but it's because Leo is the weakest character in Heroes of Olympus. But because he's sarcastic, he's everyone's favourite. I'm sorry, there's nothing to like about him to me. He doesn't grow as a character. He doesn't get beyond being mean to people. Like, he continues to bully Frank until the end of the series. Like... Like, he doesn't, he doesn't grow. Like, admittedly, none of the characters grow. But, like, he, he grows the least. Like, he, he regresses somehow. I, I just, I wish the confidence and, like, humility element that we gained from the narcissist scene of, like, him being confident in himself. Him, you know, bolstering his own ego as, in a way that's actually better than what he currently does. 
although I guess he doesn't does do that he doesn't do anything with ego he's just creepy but getting this confidence having this level of humility of you know he's doing this to you know help them all out and help you know them get the supplies that they need working with echo them working together like he had self-confidence in that moment even if it wasn't in a comedic way and he recognized the kindness instead of the beauty of a girl who cared about others even if it wasn't reciprocated romantically like they are very similar characters Leo should have been learning from Echo he should have remembered maybe not actually what Echo looks like because that's not important what she looks like it's who she is that is important and he should have remembered curse or not considering also Leo then you know multiple times skirts around curses <laughs> and gets away with like he manages to get back to Calypso's Island where no man can ever go back twice he survives death you know all these different things he survives so much and yet he couldn't remember Echo and he couldn't remember the lessons that Echo taught him it's just it, the the one character that would have been beneficial for Leo's character and it's the one character that is forgotten by the narrative so easily and so quickly. It's just disappointing because there was so much potential for it. And I think it's just a recurring theme for Heroes of Olympus. There was just so much potential and so much of it was wasted. Rick just... And obviously this is not the situation now, but Rick just needs to not write multiple books. <laughs> I know I can't really talk because I am doing that but they are very different things that I am writing whereas he was writing multiple books within the same universe really and I do separate things out like when I was writing Home to the Wild I wasn't writing anything else of the same level when I'd written Island in the Other World I was writing nothing else at the same time I didn't revise it for a while so I then wrote my other book. I don't ever work on the same writing project at the same time. It's either writing one thing, revising another. Whereas how things are published with Rick, it seems very much like it's just all happening at once. And one is always getting more priority. Like you need to plan things out a lot more. Like I plan to to the letter, basically. And, you know, it doesn't always work, like, <laughs> Home to the Wild hasn't taken off as well as I thought it would, but, you know, it's my first book out, so, you know, that's to be expected, but, you know, you've got, you've got to have the same level of effort, energy, and care going into a piece, I just don't feel like that both King Chronicles, Heroes of Olympus and in the case of the first couple of Trials of Apollo books I think that was the case because his attention is going elsewhere Like so for King Chronicles the attention was going to Heroes of Olympus but it wasn't going to Heroes of Olympus in the way that it should have because he was doing more plot than he was doing characters whereas before characters were definitely the main focus of the work that he was doing characters are what made the plot whereas in this case it's the plot that's making the characters which means not much character is happening and it was the same with like Magnus Chase was a lot stronger like he's <laughs> Magnus Chase is probably one of his strongest series 
And then the latter half of Trials of Apollo is his other strong elements. There are some things that are a little bit iffy. But when he's able to focus on things solely, he does so much better. And I've just gone on a huge tangent. Subscribe to my YouTube channel where I'm going to be doing a rewriting of Heroes of Olympus because I have so many thoughts. But um, on that note, uh, I think, yeah, that's all. The only other thing, of course, is this week's question of the episode, which is, how do you feel about Leo isolating himself from others? Like, what are your thoughts on it? How do you feel it ties into the narrative? Like, do you have just any feelings on it in general? Like, do you have the same strong feelings that I do? Or do you think it makes more sense? Whatever the case, let me know when that goes up on our social media. Love to hear your thoughts on that. And um, yeah, thank you all for joining me for this week's section. Be sure to join me next Wednesday as we continue our Royal Reverse journey. And uh, remember, be sure to uh, buy Home to the Wild, linked in the episode show notes. Thank you. To plug where you can find our podcast, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Stitcher, and basically where we listen to your podcasts. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find The Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email me with your thoughts on the episode, you can email thebestdamncamp at hotmail.com, or if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran, which is linked in the episode show notes for things like early access to episodes and other exclusive perks. Want more Royal Universe content? Check me out on YouTube at a healthy dose of Fran. And if you want to support my writing career, drop me a follow at a dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Again, thank you all for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter, and I'll see you, just me to you all next time. Bye.